0: Welcome to episode one of the Iron Rock Training Systems podcast. We have Team DB jumping on a call to discuss all things off the shelf training program related, their applicability and how we have used them in the past. We also discuss how to train for maximal strength when you have no weights and currently stuck in lockdowns. Give this episode a listen, give us some feedback and enjoy.
1: podcast episode
0: Juan. I'm, uh, I'm going to press record and we're just going to chat some random shit. i
2: feel myself
0: getting really warm now. <laughs> oh so, so what I wanted to go through today was like off-the-shelf training programs. So you 531, Cube, Juggernaut, all that kind of stuff and their applicability to your own training and if you have any athletes or general population that you're training, and how they how they get on, a how they get on with them, which ones we think kind of work, which ones we kind of think don't work, uh, and whether they have any re- relevance to uh, the athletic population. So, personally, for me, the one I think we're probably all familiar with, so we'll kick off with, will be five, three, one. I think most people have heard of or have done some form of 531 in the past. Uh, So, has anyone? Have you guys all used 531 with either yourselves or clients/slash athletes? Yeah, Toby. Yeah. You used it, Christian.
2: No, I haven't actually. So I'm interested. No, I've got no no
3: experience with 531. I read the book a while ago, but I don't remember much about it to be honest.
0: Okay, so uh, basically, five three one is kind of a. I find it as like an intro to some form of periodized programming. So you do a week of five, week of threes, a week of five three one, uh, and you often do plus sets, and you kind of incrementally build the percentages up and up and up. When I've run it, I don't know about you, Toby. I've run it. I found my initially my strength got fine, but then it it kind of went up and then it plateaued pretty hard and then it didn't really work very much for me. Uh, I've used it with intermediate athletes with some success but I've, other than that I don't think it's going to take you any further than intermediate athleticism or actually building athletic potential. Um, yeah. What have you used it for, Toby?
1: So as part of 105 we had to do the uh, program rebuttal and I decided to do it on 531 and at this point I hadn't done you know I've, I had no experience of 531 other than uh, reading the book and the sort of interviews Jim Wendler had done. And Up to this point um, I just thought well if I'm going to do a rebuttal on it I may as well know what I'm talking about so I, I ran it for a month and N equals one and all that. So ran it for a month just to see how things were going to go. And honestly, for me uh, and my training background, I thought it was a bit shit. But I don't think that's what Jim Wendler intended it for. I think he intended it originally for a beginner or a novice in mind or the average person um, getting to grips with strength training. So that would be my sort of caveat to my sort of experience um obviously with my training background I've, I've got a bit of i've got a few years behind me with the barbell so it will be a wee bit different however with the novices that i've worked with uh and the general pop that people that i've worked with they've all responded really well to it. um they're still i don't know about you eden but they're still progressing i think maybe you're, you're you have a bit more of a training age behind you, maybe it's different for you know the novice than it is the actual trained individual but they're still continuing on to make progress but again they're novices and they're general pop so they're not really athletically inclined so they're going to miss a load of sessions so they're probably still on week three of the first block, all things considered
0: <laughs> Right, okay so in terms of like off the shelf stuff uh, like five three one. Would anyone use it or recommend it to an athlete? So if you had an athlete that just wanted to get a program, get on some form of strength program, without having to give them loads of time and energy of writing them something specific, if they asked, what could I just go and get and use now, would anyone recommend an off-the-shelf program like 531?
1: 100%. 100%. If they are still a beginner. I think once they get to a certain stage, I think they would need something a little bit more advanced, like um, Juggernaut. I think Juggernaut's a fantastic progression from 5.31. Um, I don't know, you've done Juggernaut before, Christian? Oh, no, Aiden, you did Juggernaut
0: before, didn't you? Yeah, I've I've run Juggernaut, yeah. Yeah. yeah, again, I ran I Juggernaut and, um, to build strength, and I found it very, very useful. But I did find the max rep sets, like, absolutely. The end towards, like, after running it for a few cycles, started, A, kicking my ass, and that yeah. actually started affecting me in, like, where I play ice hockey.
4: Yeah,
0: I'm not great to begin with, so I need all the help I can get. And it, I found... But after a while, it started making me uh, slower and my recovery between uh, stints on the ice actually worse. Uh, and I think it was just the nervous system load. And even building in the, – the, see, my, one of my issues with the off-the-shelf stuff is they often build in the deload after four weeks. But If you're an athlete, your deload isn't – you don't run in a four-week cycle. You run in a season. Um So I often think that, because juggernaut and 531 also, yeah, yeah, they build athleticism and kind of like you can be an American footballer and ice hockey player and run it with that. And I don't, again, unless you're a beginner to weight training, I don't think it's necessarily applicable. Um, I also don't necessarily think that when you get, I think 531 doesn't have enough volume. And I think juggernaut, when you get, if when you do your max reps, I think you actually get too much when you get to a decent level of strength, I think it's too much volume to be able to recover and do any other, unless you're just wanting to do powerlifting. uh, I think it becomes too much. Um, In terms of volume, moving on. No, that's all right. What do you think, Toby?
1: Um, No, so like with 531, totally agree. It's got very little real volume. Like by the time you get warmed up, by the time you actually get into it, you have, Three sets, yeah. Three three sets, uh, three working sets. Sorry, and then it's done.
0: Uh, yeah, so you only have. Yeah, uh, I have the I have the book I have the book right in front of me. So you have I was, three I was working to sets think and As you're well done. As um, with
1: the warm up sets, that's the only thing. So I
0: think it includes yeah, warm up so sets. Yeah, so you generally do th- you generally do. three warm up sets. Uh, at like, like fifty six. 50, 60, and 65%, or something. And then your working sets go from there, uh, and that's it. Um, oh, yeah, so the warm ups are a set of five at 40, a set of five at 50, and a set of three at 60%. That's okay. it. And then from there, you go into the working sets. So warm up sets don't really count to the volume. Um, so, but when going through volume, another program that's quite famous is the small off squat cycle which
2: oh, I've over. never actually run. Uh, I've heard it's brutal. And I've seen one a couple of the girls do junior small-off mm-hmm. and it's still brutal.
1: Like, what
2: um, sorry, what talk- is junior small-off? I don't Junior small-off
1: is essentially...
3: Sorry, so um, the junior small-off, so the small-off is a 12-week program. And there's like a four-week base period in the regular small-off. Junior is essentially that four-week base period. And the reps are slightly so, less, so it's so not quite can, intense. Can you talk us through the Shmov, uh Christian? Yeah, so how Shimonov works is sort of, which is pretty easy. You're doing singles at around 80% kind of on your top steps. The base the base cycle of it, so the four-week base is where things start to kind of, kind of get intense. So it's four days a week for squatting. Day one, you're going to start with 75% four by nine. It's then going to go 75% seven by five, or sorry, five by seven, 80% seven by five. And that's then it's going to be 10 by three at 85%. And that's going to be week one. And it's going to go up a 5% increment of 1RM each week. So by week three of the base, you're doing 95% of 1RM as a 10 by three.
2: Yeah. I think as well. (laughs) You can't do anything else with Smolov. Like Smolov really has to be like an off-season period of getting stronger. And even one of the girls, like we're quite lucky. She's a very good, I think she's going to go for some GB stuff. But, you know, she's quite lucky. She's kind of mentally programmed to just do it. Like she doesn't understand pain. So she just does what she's programmed. But a lot of the um, girls that were trying to get stronger, they did a little off-season with junior smallov. Now they're adults. And they just struggled hugely and you can't do anything else. So you have to commit to just doing smaller and nothing else.
1: Isn't yeah, it very, very small. similar to GVT?
4: Mm.
3: Yeah, it's similar to like Shaco and some of those programs more yeah. so, but like it's, it's designed for elite weightlifters working squat plateaus. So The squatting volume is outrageous, right? And I know like some high level weightlifters have done it where they kids, the percent one they use, they take 10% off of that. Survive the program because when you're getting the intense cycles, they're expecting you to do 95% for five by five. Oh, In the intense cycles. Shit. And I remember running small lab, you fail with every session. You're going to fail. And you're like, you feel
4: like
2: you're how of a back, you. But, And I think it does make you stronger. But yet again, you have to be able to physically and mentally commit to something like that.
0: So again, would you you ever run that
3: with an athlete? Would Would you ever run that
0: with an athlete?
3: In very select cases. So the example in which I ran it with myself, I was recovered from an elbow surgery. So it was the only thing I could do. So I just ran it as a front squat. In that case, that was the only activity I do was like some unilateral upper body work. So in that case, it it provided some value because I could just get my squat super strong while I was doing nothing else. From another different perspective, though, if someone's in in an in-season or they're near-season, I would say as far away from that program as possible.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: The only value I see in that program is again, if you're in a strength sport and your squat's really lagging behind and you can't improve it, it's kind of the last last resort there to really try to break that sort of plateau in squat strength. But I think its its value is more so. Taking the ideas behind that really heavy overload of strength is where that value comes from that program, not necessarily the programming in itself. Because again, like soap said, it's just so daunting. And if you're not, if you're not a very high training age, you're going to get knee issues, you're going to get hip issues, you're going to get back issues. Yeah, it's always been something I, I, I really I think I think knee issues, back issues, just
0: from just from hearing you talking
2: about it. it I mean, <laughs> from the girls I've seen do it um i think maya she improved her squat by like i think it was like 15 kilos i think she squat 107 and a half to put it into perspective she's 15 been lifting for a year and she weighs like 57 she's pretty tall girl very good lifter but yeah she i mean the problem was she was lifting more like her Actual weightlifting was great, but her squats are lagging behind, and that's why they did it. And it Did you work.
1: say she was 15? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, like, yeah, she's basically just got free steroids, like, circulating through her no, body, she's, so she's, she's fine.
2: Actually, she's a slim and tall girl. There's no – she's <laughs> just lucky. She's got incredible mobility, <laughs> and she works really hard, and this just seems to not be bothered by anything. She mm. just goes and lifts. She just walks just up freak. the bar. Yeah, she's no. There's n- there's no ego there. There's no nothing. She just turns up, does what she's told, and off she goes, and that's it. But it's perfect. For I
1: wish left. everyone I worked with was like that.
2: Yeah, I but she's young. She doesn't know what pain feels like. Like she just does it. But <laughs> <family it> <laughs> she does. Uh, she actually did CrossFit first, which is a bit um interesting. But yeah, she she moves very well. So. She's well, uh, the easy
3: part about kids that age is they can just tolerate an outrageous amount of volume and still feel fine, right? Yeah,
2: yeah she doesn't get that much muscle soreness. initially. But like, oh, they're a bit sore today. Like, okay, I, I think
1: can't. once once you sort of graduate, if you go to university, once you graduate, I think life just catches up with you and mm-hmm. like everything becomes so much more painful and harder to recover from after about 23, 24.
0: I think uh, I, I think a lot of that is down to uh, psychology and rest. So mm. the more and more I've been reading, the more and more you kind of I actually realise that you know it's not actually the body that doesn't want to recover; it's the fact you've got other shit going on. Mm. So by the time you've got your own actual rent to pay and you've not got any kind of loans or anything to come in, you've you've got the focus on work. So that's gotta be more. Uh, productive you've like by the time you've got you realize if you're 23 and with the best one in the world if you're playing a sport if you're not high level by 23 you're probably not going to make it to the top of that sport unless it's a very niche sport where you know is age rowing. isn't as much a problem unless it's right or i mean i would or strength sports too and strong man you can like go a lot later because you need often just need the size but do you know what I mean? So I think by, by that point, it's kind of training is going to take, is not going to be the priority, but those of us that like to train, want well, I think it is. I think um, uh, and it Dan John like,
1: said it on a recent podcast that uh, if you weren't 22 and making a full-time career out of your sport, you're never going to make it. And I think that's really um, humbling for... It was humbling for me, <laughs> definitely. But uh, I, think, I think that's very true. I think having a lot of other outside factors can really um, impact your recoverability, especially from also, a mental standpoint.
2: It's what we were talking about, though. So um, I was saying it's very easy to be an athlete as a child. Like mm. your coach says jump, you say how, how high, and you know nothing different. And like, you don't, yes, you go to school and you think life's really hard at the time, but you don't really have any other external factors like paying rent or whatever it is. And like, I think you're right about the age 23. I mean, you get a couple probably that start uni um, late and end up in the Olympics as rowers, but I don't think there are many other sports where that's the case. I think most sports, particularly field sports like rugby, um football even hockey like everyone's pretty much made it by the time they're early 20s I think, I
0: think i think i think a skill based a skill based sport unless you've made it by that kind of age you're not going to be really doing it um some fighters come through later on where they just mature a bit and they find they find their weight category some weightlifters do the same where they've kind of been trying to battle to make weight for so long mm. And then they actually realise, oh no, I'm better competing as an 81 than I am as a 76. Is that even a category anymore? Yeah. Um, so generally, you know I mean? it's it's very like it's very specific. So again, the other thing you've got like as a as a junior athlete is you go home and generally you've got someone making your food. Yeah. You've got you've got your housekeeping. Yeah. You're know, not having to pay like rent. You are a full-time not, athlete you know, at that age. Yeah. Those things that allow. Yeah, you are a full whether you kind of actually are or not. Um, so yeah, that is interesting. So, what would in terms of like an off-the-shelf program? I'm go- I'm going to digress a bit now because someone said the word crossfit, and it uh, has to be talked about. Uh, <laughs> so, it says off-the-shelf program. If you have, <laughs> if you have an athlete. If you have an athlete that wants to develop every single capacity at the same time, you know, ride two horses with one ass and all that kind of stuff, would you recommend them to do CrossFit programming?
2: If the coach is any good. Now, for someone like me who, I'm not a CrossFitter, I'm never going to be one, but to say I don't enjoy CrossFit would be a complete lie. As someone who's like an ex-athlete, mainly in inverted commas, I, I find it really hard to not have something competitive in my life and so for me I just enjoy the fact that I can go and hurt a little bit and whatever but I think I'm very lucky in the way that I learned to lift first because it hasn't really affected my lifting like yes okay often I'm probably slower than other people because I still can't you know when they bar cycle and stuff like I still can't do it so I just do loads of singles I'd rather they look pretty than look like a pile of shit. But I think if you've got good coaches and they program well, um, then yeah, I'm all for CrossFit. But I think the average CrossFit gym, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have a clue and they've only got like a CrossFit level one and yes, okay, they're really expensive, but they don't have the same knowledge that a weightlifting coach has about weightlifting or a rowing coach has about rowing. It's just like very broad. It's a little bit like being a PT. People just sort of like jump on it and they don't necessarily have to have any other qualifications. They just go straight into it. And just because they can lift doesn't mean they can teach someone else to lift. And that's my problem with it, to be honest. And lifting at speed, I don't think, is really very clever. But I'm quite selective with which workouts I do. I think
1: CrossFit is a very... Elementary, sort of S and C program. Like it's a good onboarding
5: process, but afternoon, sir. Right, how's um, it going?
0: Hello, Jordan, how Are
5: you? Uh, oh, are we recording this anything? Because I don't really want to interrupt Toby. Uh, no,
0: so will crack on a second. Yeah, uh, I can. Uh, I've. I've recorded everyone's uh, audio separately so I can stitch everything together so I won't worry about that too much. Um, so Toby was just, uh, we were just bashing CrossFit so you've come in a good time, mate. <laughs> Perfect.
5: <laughs> so I think, w- um, what were you saying, Toby? I think it's a very
1: good sort of introduction to s and c Like introduction being the keyword and yeah, like you do need a very good coach. You can't have that many moving parts and expect it to... You know be great for the athlete like weightlifting I've, I've been in boxes where I've seen you know single mums who do fuck all else during the day like try and smash Grace or Isabel and they wreck their shoulder like how can that be good for a kid then or you know uh, an amateur athlete you know who's trying to move up the ranks like that's Oh, good you need proper guidance and you need like a proper set structure and um, it's not all bad but it's not good either it's and in its infancy i would sort of say
0: so what would so christian if uh if you had an athlete that wanted to do crossfit to build their athleticism what would your uh what would your response be
3: good sorry say that again and to enhance their athleticism
0: so if you had an athlete that said, Christian, I want to train uh, CrossFit to become a better athlete, how would you respond?
3: I would try to end on the components of like what CrossFit's trying to do and what their goals are for their sport, right? So I think it depends on who the athlete is at that point. If, they're, if they just want to look good, be fit their sport kind of recreationally and amateurly, then I'm sure go ahead. Have If you want to do some CrossFit and – get your ass kicked, I mean, go ahead, go right after, right? If this is someone who's looking at kind of breaking the cusp to the next level and actually pursuing sport seriously and actually trying to make an international squad or make a pro squad, then that conversation, that education piece needs to start happening around, okay, you need to do in your sports, this is the qualities that we need to train in, this is what's going to happen when you cross it, and these are the risks that you're going to run by performing those sort of modalities under a different coach. Because kind of so said, you know, the coaching education's limited as a general general kind of analogy across the sport. There are some fantastic coaches out there who you know to coach properly and manage load and not just egg everyone every session. They're, they're very far in few between you gotta be selective of where you're going, right? So there's some of those education pieces that need to happen depending on what that athlete wants to do and where they're going with a career, right? Generally, I wouldn't recommend it, just as a rule of thumb. But again, there will be situations in which the guy's not really going to win, he's just playing a wreck, and he wants to do a little crossfit to, to be fit. Enough.
1: I'm sure go at it, man. Have have, have a field day with it. Like right. kind of Dude. giving your uh, your younger brother or cousin an uh, unplugged controller and thinking that he's playing the game. Like, yeah,
0: he that, might be, yeah, he might be doing a, something. That's a, that's a great... That's a great analogy, Toby. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think you're kind of spot on. It's kind of like if they think that's their essence and they think it's making them quicker and faster, then like they'll probably work hard and maybe get something out of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't say I'd I would can not say I'd necessarily recommend it for athleticism. What about you, yeah. Jordy? As uh, you've just joined the party, um, if an athlete came to you and said, "I don't want to do that program. I want to do CrossFit," what would you, what would your reply be?
5: I um, I don't really know that much about CrossFit. So you, you some of you guys like naming workouts. That's I don't even know a, that.
0: That's a, a cop-out. I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know. Bro. How to sit on the professional fence. Unbelievable.
5: <laughs> I've missed you guys, you know. <laughs> now you just trying to butter us up. No, <laughs> um, so, I mean... CrossFit is a, is a sport or an event in its own right, isn't it? So you would train to be able to finish or place well in that event as you would normally, right? If you're going to try and use a CrossFit program to do anything other than that isn't CrossFit, then you've probably missed the board a little. It's my thing. Well, that's, that's People do it for fun. Sorry, what did you say? What's
2: that, Christian?
4: the
3: real well, top the issue kind of during what crosses is they people get misconstrued with the sport of it versus the, the fitness and health component right where the fitness and health component of being healthy working getting strong has now become the sport larger in part so kind of like you guys said you know there's you got these slightly overweight moms who don't have much training experience trying to do these coats for time and they're splitting shoulders and that just misconstrued between the sport of CrossFit, what you see on TV versus being set, being healthy, getting strong and moving well.
2: I think you just like to say the
1: Sorry.
3: I'd just like to say, say for,
0: for, for equality, they could be slightly overweight dads or uh, yeah. non-parents. You non, you any, any slightly overweight uh, person and uh, yeah. sex or uh, whatever they choose to be done. That's just, uh, you know.
1: I, I think they, they, can choose CrossFit, to,
0: they, can, they can choose to wreck their shoulders in however modality they want.
1: <laughs> in CrossFit's defence, though, I think they're trying to get away from that image of, like, constant competition. Uh, I'm not... I haven't been in a box in years, so I don't know. Um, Sophie, you'd probably have a better idea of that than I would.
2: I think my opinion, like, as... Because I'm never going to be a CrossFit athlete and that's not my goal... But I think with CrossFit, there's a lack of understanding that's needed in order to improve. So, for example, like the gymnastic stuff, like I do a bit here and there if it's like programmed within the workout, um, but they'll be in sections. So, it'll be like a strength section, then there'll be a gymnastic section. And, you know, if you can't do it, it'll be scaled down. But like I said, that's from having a good coach. Now that will be like, that might be, he goes, right. So your shoulder mobility or stability is really poor, but then it's then my uh, responsibility to go and work on that. Like you're not going to work on that in a CrossFit session. You have to take that outside and be like, okay, if I want to get better at X, Y, and Z, I have to do this in my own sessions. Um, Most of us anyway, like, although I, I mean, I'm doing CrossFit now, but that's because I don't really have anything else to do. Um, but normally I'll go and weightlift separately and then sometimes there'll be a strength component before it might be squatting. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty well programmed to be honest, and they encourage recovery and rest or whatever and Yeah it is quite good there but again it's your responsibility to work on your weaknesses you can't just turn up to CrossFit and be like yeah I'm just going to flail around and hope for the best and get a good time and it looks awful and you see a lot of snatches that look more like starfish and you kind of yeah it's there's a lot of people doing a lot of things wrong and that is the problem with CrossFit to be honest.
0: I think uh, everyone's pretty much kind of said it but I think that but to round it up, I think CrossFit, basically, and anyone can jump in if they think i have been wrong here, is a lot of people train in it, but don't actually treat it as a sport, so they're not, they're using it, they're using the training as the sport rather than training for it of, of a sport. So if you're going to do CrossFit competitions, you need to kind of do your SNC and and everything to make you better at the sport. Whereas people just go in and go full out every session that's programmed, as if it is the sport. So and they train four or five times a week or whatever. Now if, even if I was playing amateur amateur football, I'm not going to play a game every single day and play for, like all out. And I kind of think that's what some boxes some some boxes and some people do is they think every session has to be balls to the wall and um, because they see the genetic freaks of the rich fronies and the rat fraiges and the cheetah whose bodies can that but i think for most people it actually should be all right when's the event or which workout do i want to train for rather than just hammering every single thing until yeah. their glenohumeral joints uh, explode
2: we get an RPE for each session. So like we're given an RPE. So like if it was, um, obviously this all gets explained, but often instead of having a deload week, because a lot of people don't understand it, if they've, if they've kind of put a squat cycle in or a snatch cycle or whatever over how long, they'll have like sessions with RPE, like you should be around a six or a seven, or this is supposed to be a recovery session to try and teach people that you don't have to go, like you said
1: all out. I, I've tried implementing that with a few of the right. gen pop people that I work with and they just do not understand the concept of go easy. Like they always want to go ball to the wall. I think
0: it's the, it's the mentality that uh, we probably see and understand a bit more uh, where everyone's grown up and it's like unless you leave in a big puddle of sweat and are in pain the next day then the session didn't have any value.
2: Yeah, no, um, gain,
0: no gain. You know, I see people, like, high-fiving, high 5 each other and high-fiving their trainer just because they can't walk the next day. Uh, and it's like, well, you've not actually got any better at anything. You've just uh, done more squats than your body can currently handle. Uh, well done. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's uh, – so uh, we're going to – I'm going to cycle back a bit now as we have uh, Cole and – right, so <laughs> – Cole and Geordie, uh, have you guys any off the shelf training programs, 5 through 1, Joggernaut, Cube, Smolov, whatever? Like, have you A, ever run them yourself, B, liked them, or C, recommended them to anyone you've trained? Geordie, do you want to go first?
5: Yeah. Um, when I was really starting strength training, 16, 17, I bought Eric Cressy's program. Uh, high perform- high performance something I thought that was awesome uh, I still probably follow something like that now, knowing what I know it was just a a little, a little bit of everything mobility, strength um, varying it was kind of four months of it or four programs of it so it was kind of periodized, three weeks on one deload week um, you selected kind of how um how hard it is and um yeah, I thought that was pretty useful. That's the, that's the only one I've really bought, um, tried or used. So I, I can't really talk much else about it.
0: <laughs> what? so what how, can you outline the program a bit for us?
5: Oh god. Um well that was probably one of one of the upsides was that was you could do a two, three, four, five day program. You could include kind of athletic development, so sprints, conditioning elements into that if you wanted. Um, other than that, it was upper lowers, two, two upper days, two lower days. If you're doing the four by four four-week program, or sorry, four-day a week program. Um one day it was focused around um faster, faster, kind of faster in your primary lifts. And then your accessories were, were still kind of moderately heavy in that, in that 8 to 12 range. And then your other day was more of a kind of a, a go day. Um, Put some weight on the bar, work up to something decent, try and beat it every week. Um, every month you kind of cycled the primary exercises. Um, Your auxiliary movements got a little bit tougher in terms of complexity. And uh, you'd, you'd build up a game from week one. See,
0: out of the out of the off the shelf stuff that we talked about, that sounds like the most well rounded for like athletic <laughs> development. Uh, it
4: actually
0: does, yeah. By by go by a long by a long way. Um so we looked at like, five through one juggernaut and stuff seemed to be very much lifting based. And like I said, with juggernaut actually made me slower when I played ice hockey than uh than actually quicker because it was just beating me up too much. Um so out of all of them, if we were gonna pick one to Give to a, an athlete now. I think that sounds like that sounds like the most well-rounded one. But I've never actually uh, used it, so I can't comment. Uh, Cole, what about what about you? Have you ever used any like kind of of the the big programs off-the-shelf stuff?
4: Um, I guess two that I might have dabbled in um, would be. Just the classic West Side conjugate approach, um, and then you know maybe mess around with triphasic QA a bit in terms of those kind of off-the-shelf ready-made pieces. But both of those I find are like the value comes from how they that the purpose behind what they're doing, and also the reasoning behind why they made these systems. You know these training systems and. I guess they're straight-up programs, but um, I uh, – so I've messed with those a little bit. Um, personally, going west side, I've, when you talk to a lot of people, they really think that those max effort days are like a competition max. You know,
2: you got guys getting
4: as hyped up as possible – um, you know music's as loud as they can they got the smelling salts out and like they're just destroying themselves max max and I think there's you know a lot to be said for people understanding uh you know what a training max is you know and leaving a little bit in the tank on those and I can say from personal experience you know if, if I ran that west side you know two max two dynamic days um and and you uh, don't follow the concept of a training max, you get smoked, obviously. Um,
0: would you uh, would you ever use West Side with uh, Olympic lifting?
4: Sorry, say one more time.
0: Would you ever use West Side with Olympic weightlifting?
4: Olympic weightlifting. That's interesting. I do have Louis Simmons, you know, book on Olympic weightlifting and the approach. Um, I've personally not done it with that approach, finding you know uh, different variations to kind of max out weekly. I think if you're smart about the variations you choose, um, there's you know, no reason you can't get away with that approach. Um, what I started doing a little bit was you know playing with biomechanics of the variations, you know, Starting a block off with that west side approach, um with something that's you know, you're a little more disadvantaged and then moving towards something a little more advantageous of a position. You know, for a very simple idea like if you were to take
2: a regular deadlift
4: and then end up week three with a rack pull, right? You're gonna lift more weight. It's just you're you're able to, you're stronger in that position. Um, but you're not absolutely smoking yourself through these full ranges the entire time um, so I think if you're smart with it you could use it, is that the approach I do? No
1: um,
4: instead of worrying about these kind of circa maxes uh, I worry more about tracking you know, relative intensities uh, number of lifts above 50% you know, I'm, I'm more so in that volume and kind of average intensities that we're getting, session to session, week to week, block to block, Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Um,
2: What I would recommend,
4: you know, to people dipping into these is if you're picking these off-the-shelf programs or systems, try to work out why they made these decisions, why they're using certain methods, and then you can make whatever decision you want uh, without having it necessarily be an off the shelf
0: program, you know? Yeah. So, uh, in terms of, you said something there about you track everything over 50%. Uh, I've just recently completed a weightlifting coaching on training course and the programming on that, they only track, uh, the lifts over 80%. So the only time any of the lifts count towards any of your daily volume, is anything above 80%, uh, but the amount, the volume over that isn't, isn't great. Um, So you, so what do you guys, what do you guys think about kind of tracking volume and intensity in a program? If you had, have an athlete that's in season, where would you want them to be working? Do you think 80% and higher is of value, or if you've got them having game days, is that going to be too much?
4: I think uh, it would be interesting to compare the type of volumes um, that we're talking about. You know, if I was tracking over 50 and you were tracking over 80, I think when we talk in season, I think there's definitely value of dipping in with much lower volumes into those intensities um, and tracking that in season. Whereas off-season, you know, I might have a more volume-based um, approach. That would be my two cents.
0: So I can tell you, so basically, for a – I've just had a quick look. For the three-day-a-week uh, senior, like, training program, the one I've just looked at, it's per week you're aiming to do 150 reps uh, over the course of the week uh, when you get to your max effort week at – At over 80%. And that includes basically your, there's, you're gonna have four exercises per day. um, So that's two like dynamic or Olympic lifts, and then two kind of strength exercises, three days a week. Uh, And then you build, it builds up to 150 reps uh, in that kind of like week. So that's kind of like the volume. And that's all, only that's all the stuff over 80%. So yeah, I, don't I, bet know what you-
4: they're, I bet you they're more similar, even though, you know, because obviously you're not just jumping into your workout at 80%, right?
0: No, no, no.
4: Yeah, I'm assuming there's a bunch of Best build-ups. And then, so I would, it would be interesting to see. I bet you, like, the reps over 80%. Depending on the kind of block I'm running would be uh, more similar, probably.
0: Yeah, so in each exercise, you're looking at a minimum of, like, Seven, seven to eight warm up sets before you get to that eighty yeah. percent. Yeah, you might even have more. Or warm up. up? Sorry, like they 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 distinguish the fact it's actually it's practice sets, not warm up. the course, oh, the like course hated the word warm up. Yeah. I like that focus. Do you think that if there was like a
4: mandatory tracking of that those practice sets, that it would add more intention? Practice sets.
0: If there was like a um, program target, uh, I think people be more or less like less likely to skip them. Yeah. Because uh, I know I know like for me, like if I go in and I look at that workout and I've got like I do how many sets to do, and times time times more of an issue. I'm going to be like, oh, well, I'll just jump straight in at 60% rather than 50%. And rather than do two sets at 60, I'm going to just do one until I get up to my working weight, um, which means you're getting less practice.
2: What's their classification of senior? Like, who is this that we're talking about?
0: Uh, uh, Basically, they classify it as anyone with a training age of over, like, six to seven years.
2: Yeah, because I was going to say, like...
0: it's It's not like Masters or anything. It's not.
2: Yeah, I know. I was just interested because obviously there's a skill-based element with weightlifting.
4: Yeah.
2: And if you're like, say someone who's got six, seven years training age on weightlifting, they're not going to miss a lift, are they? Like at 70%, for example, whereas if you're learning still, that even though it's a percentage of whatever your one RM would be, that's quite a lot for someone who might not be Um, consistently hitting lifts still, if you get what I mean. That's the only
0: reason I asked. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, But again, that's actually not an off-the-shelf programme. It's all quite... The idea is it's taken and very much tailored to what that person needs. So it's all done weaknesses and strength analysis. Um, So trying to come back round to get some form of a conclusion to what I uh, kind of aimed at was... I think basically Geordie came in, uh, said a few words, has now pissed off and basically uh, told us the program to recommend to an athlete uh in one fell swoop. He came in and said, Yeah, off the program off the shelf, Eric Cressy, Scott mobility, strength, athletic stuff. Oh, that was pretty good. So basically if you want if anyone want, wanted to run an off the shelf program, it sounds like an Eric Cressy one would be the way to go. Um, and like Cole said, I think if it's going to be anything off the shelf, like a juggernaut cube or whatever, you've got to find out who's written it and why they've written it. And um, like to find out what you're going to try and get from it. I don't, I think trying to run Five Three One 3 one and juggernaut, even though they may try and claim they help athletic development, uh, they're written by powerlifters. So they're going to enhance powerlifting. Uh, I think small of, uh, as Christian talked about, you only want to do if you really really hate your legs uh and kind of want to lie in bed for the rest of the week and kind of just i think you basically have to hate yourself at that point Uh, you may as you may as well sign up to like some bdsm site mate to be fair i think it sounds like um (laughs) it sounds fucking brutal uh but again if you're in the off season someone needs to build their squat up i could see in a like an olympic weightlifter if a squat is their lagging lift and that's their problem, then doing smaller for 12 weeks would be a way to make them uh, cry and possibly get a better squat. Um, anyone else? Any other thoughts on off the shelf, kind of like, ready to go? Yeah. Shit? I think... Uh, I've call. a Um Yeah, the guy who shows up
4: late and tries to hog all this talk time in. Uh, you know, I think... <laughs> If we're talking off-the-shelf programs, I would mostly recommend, you know, like you said, if, if you're trying to get your squat up, cool, great. But,
2: you know, if you are an athlete
4: that requires many physical qualities, make sure that off-the-shelf program is not the entirety of your program. Um, and just because the off-the-shelf program tells you to do something, if it's gonna be part of a much bigger program where you're training speed and, and all these other qualities, you might be conditioning on top of this. Um, just because it says something in that off the shelf program doesn't mean you have to necessarily do all of it. You know, uh, a pared down version might be all you need when you take into consideration, you know, maybe you're training speed, uh, sports skill sessions, conditioning, right. Uh, that would be my end point, I think.
1: Yeah. Just to build on that, like as a follow on point, the, uh, the book that I've finished reading at the moment uh, talks a little bit about this. It's from one of the guys who coached at MBSC. Um, and then that, he has this analogy that he stole from Mike Boyle. And it was the bucket analogy, fill your bucket. So whatever bucket is most full, um, you don't need to worry about that. You need to worry about your less full bucket. So if your sport is, I don't know, say, say your sport, you play rugby. Uh, you're and you're a forward and your strength through the roof. Well, you don't need to worry about strength. So why would you do five three one? one Like let's look at developing your aerobic base or your conditioning or your repeated sprint ability or your mobility, like let's focus on something else. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. So if you're gonna do an off the shelf program, just make sure that you add in what you need and not continue on doing what you like that next
0: yeah, yeah. That, I think that that's absolutely great advice uh, like make sure the program fits what you need not just what you like because I think most people most people that train and like lifting weights would like to be either bigger or stronger or lift more weight without actually bearing down to the fact that their um, shoulder mobility and thoracic mobility like me uh, sucks and therefore should work on that. Uh, I'd rather just squat and deadlift more because that will fix the problem eh? then, right? Eventually.
2: At least it's okay. not yeah. moralizing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm with you, Aiden.
0: <laughs> Um A final little extra thing I wanted to talk about is uh, lockdown training. So talking about all these off-the-shelf programmes, most people can do fuck all with them at the moment uh because they don't have bar plates or whatever, or they might have like one of those Arglass home sets that are kind of like filled with sand and take about four years to change the weight to those stupid spin lock collars. Uh
4: <laughs>
0: so if you if you have an athlete and you are now programming like you're programming for them and you want them to develop some qualities, so say you want someone to now we're gonna flip around, say you want someone to get actually stronger physically stronger like for their squat and their sport or whatever at home and they don't have weights what would be the one thing you would get them to do the, the one exercise i'm gonna i'm gonna go around you all i'm gonna go team canada first i'm gonna go christian first what would be the one thing you'd uh, you'd recommend them to do at home
3: the piece i've been using to try to like create some strength adaptation with athletes that don't have weights at home is using overcoming isometrics with towels or kind of immovable objects. So essentially what they're doing is they're setting up in a position where they're pushing as they can against this towel from anywhere five to 10 seconds. And we'll build up lots of volume of that, you know, anywhere from six to 12 sets of those five to 10 second pushes to at least create some sort of max strength stimulus. And then I'll get them. So like they're doing like a towel squat, they're holding on the end of the towel, standing on kind of the, the flat end, the middle end. And they'll choke up on the towel to kind of increase or decrease the joint angles at the knee. So you know, they'll do three or four really deep position, three or four sets in a mid position, and then three or four sets that are like a more tall, like kind of trap bar deadlift position, and just pushing as hard as they can to get that max max stimulus with a squat if they don't have any sort of equipment to to lift heavier, create a max strength stimulus there.
0: That's cool, uh, Cole if you had one, one exercise you get to do to get stronger at
4: home. Okay. Found the unmute button there. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I think what Christian just said is a great way. Of, uh, I've, I've been using those uh, with certain athletes. Um, so I don't want to give the exact same piece. So I will give something a little different. Um, uh, Dietz calls, calls this method, like the antagonistically facilitated shock method. I don't know if you've read about that, but in essence, it's, let's say you're going to do a jump You're You're going to use like your hip flexors and, and whatnot to actively pull yourself down faster than you normally would and reverse that as hard and as fast as possible, um, you know, and you can find creative ways to add a little bit of load to that depending what you have around the house but it's a good way to get hit pretty high peak forces and hit you know a very short time frame uh, to require you you know to generate that impulse quickly so that's something to think about and could be very useful um, you know because I think the isometric you know towel overcoming isometrics can be are obviously a very great method, but if we, you know, want to have some um, you know faster requirements, right? That could be something.
0: That's cool. So if if you have like your athletes training at home, if they've got fuck all equipment and they want to get stronger, what are you kind of like working on? I know you work with rowing specific, so yours might be less absolute strength and more kind of rowing specific. But what have you been getting to do?
2: Yeah, I mean like my timetable's changed slightly. I normally take the scholarship lads, the rugby lot for s but someone's um, taken them over now uh, just because of how the timetable worked out. So I've got the girls now. Um, To be honest, not in a rude way, but none of them, because hockey will be pretty much done. um, I'm not too worried about what they're doing as long as they're still doing something. So theirs is more like psychologically based um body weight circuits and whatever and to be honest just keeping them happy um with the rowers, slightly different um quite a big focus on tempo and they've all got different um sorry kind of speaking to say and they've got a lot of different mobility issues so I've kind of tried to hone in on those um they're all quite driven so I don't find it very difficult like I know that they'll be doing them so I'm not too worried about that and they all have their different bits and pieces for that. But yeah, tempo, um, moving properly. Because unfortunately, when I received these lovely athletes, they half of them can't even squat. So yeah, it's just been a big focus on movement rather than strength. But as I said, yeah, a bit of tempo stuff. Some of them have weights, which is good. Um, but more focus on maintenance, to be honest, because I don't think any of them oh,
0: well.
2: will be performing this year. And most of them uh, are sick, so they'll leave.
0: Well, I think you said something huge about the psychological factor of like, if they think they're still kind of like kept in the loop, they're actually gonna come back in the gym and still be able to hit it hard. So, like, you're actually doing what they feel they need to be doing to stay in the game, rather than necessarily what what actually be technically like you you are doing technically right thing. But if you gave them something that's even technically not necessarily the best of building their strength. If they feel it is, they're going to come back and be able to kind of like work a bit harder, right? Um, Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think as well, you know, they're... Unfortunately, the kids I have, they're quite privileged, a lot of them. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing because you have to teach them discipline. And I feel like mine are quite good, the ones that I have. But yeah, mentally checking in with them is actually more important because then... I know they'll do the work. They don't, they are a little bit spoon fed, as it were. So yeah, it's kind of
0: R- rowers and hockey players at a private school are spoon fed. I'm
2: oh, shocked, right?
0: absolutely shocked. I don't, I, I couldn't, I could not have, I would never have guessed that. Um, <laughs> uh, Toby, so with your guy, because you you train, uh, you train with quite a wide range of people, quite a lot of people that are doing starting out in powerlifting so they're obviously wanting to try and get stronger um so what are you kind of like having them do if they because you're having to do all your sessions via zoom right
1: yeah all of them via zoom and uh just through our online sort of at home portal that we have for members but what i've got a lot of my guys doing is a single leg work so obviously powerlifting is right bilateral sports um and going off of My new favorite analogy, the bucket analogy, I like to just work on weaknesses or work on areas that aren't going to be targeted through general training. So working on unilateral strength, um, balance, coordination, core work, Uh, yeah, pistol squats, skater squats. I actually really like uh, rear foot elevated split squats um, just for for a whole host of reasons. I quite like, so... I was going to physio for a while uh, because I had a bit of a knee issue and it stemmed from my feet. And whenever I've looked at a lot of the guys I sort of coach, they all have pretty shitty foot mechanics as well. So um, even just working on intrinsic uh, foot stability is a big one just to help with knees and hips and, and back. So just basically picking up on all the weak areas and just working on them. Yeah, if we can't do max strength stuff, so what, we can do a lot of other stuff. Like there's always something we can be doing.
0: Interesting you said about the feet there, Toby. I was uh, reading something the other day about a method where a guy from working with footballers and they kept getting hamstring injuries and a lot of it was stemming from the feet yeah. where the blocks of the feet, so the talus and the calcaneus weren't actually gliding because yeah. they'd injected their feet so much that they'd become blocks and then all the force Rather than be absorbed by the foot, has to go up the chain, goes to the hamstring, and shock horror, they get a hamstring injury. And um, so they actually like were working on uh, opening the feet out and getting better foot mechanics. And uh, surprise, surprise, the guy has been the, the main the case study. there Has been after having three hamstring injuries on each hamstring uh, over like the course of his career, has been three years and not had a single tweak out of either hamstring. Um,
1: Funny enough, you should actually say that that was the exact issue with mine, like coming from my foot. Uh, so I've been working this past year and trying to fix that. And very, very slowly, like it is starting to make a difference very slowly, but I'm noticing a huge difference.
0: So, yeah, I, and I think, the, I think the, yeah, the foot is very underutilized and that kind of stuff. Um, in fact, Phil Price, one of the lecturers at St. Mary's, uh, he, on his instagram and stuff he was t- doing stuff with his own feet uh because his like foot was causing shitty hip mechanics in himself uh, and it is like i think it's becoming a lot more realization in our field that the feet are really really important um for myself with the people i'm training have trained zoom and with limited kit much like toby i've been doing i've been rescreening people to find out as This is an opportunity to work on their weaknesses. Uh, so, for instance, I've got someone who uh, she wants to do more powerlifting type stuff and she wants to compete, and she's really, really strong, but her thoracic stability lets her down slightly. And there's uh, also someone else who tends to go into a squat and it becomes very much a good morning squat. Now, the byproduct means she has a hellishly strong deadlift because her back is like built of iron. Um, but on the flip side, it means squats are very hard for her and it's down to uh, knee and ankle mechanics. So it means like without the weight, we can she can actually work on that and building using tempos and the kind of isometric work. We're trying to kind of hopefully come back and, and do bits and pieces of that. So that's kind of like... What I'm doing, um, but I really like the uh, I really like the towel stuff. Uh, I'm 100% stealing that, uh, <laughs> and and Cole, I, I'm going to be reading that paper. Uh, I'm going to be reading that paper that uh, Cole Cole sent through for sure, uh, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to ask Cole to uh, do some Instagram videos on uh, on what to do with that as well. So I can show my like an sexy Instagram
1: video for overcoming isometrics. Christian, if you could maybe do one of those, I'd be interested. I'd like to see how you program that.
3: Oh, for sure. I can definitely put a little something together for you guys on how I'm programming and kind of doing them.
0: Awesome. Uh, anyone else got anything they want to add on kind of training people at home during lockdown to get stronger? Yes.
4: Yes. I feel like so right now I'm in Winnipeg. There's snow everywhere, it's freezing outside, okay?
2: One of the gaps in my
4: thinking right now in terms of what is the one thing I would get people to do is, you know, if it wasn't winter out here and people wouldn't think I was crazy to get them to meet me at the track to do sprinting, I would, that's the one thing. Like if I had to pick one generic thing across everything, let's work on your sprint mechanics, let's do mock drills uh, and let's just, let's,
0: let's work on that. Yeah, I think uh, sprint. is sprinting is something that uh, I've put back into mind so that hopefully when ice rinks open again, I can actually um, skate and not have my lungs fall out my backside the first uh, shift I do back on the ice. That'd be cool. I think. <laughs> yeah, but hey, cool. Um, other than that, cheers, guys. I'm gonna just, uh, I'm gonna stop the recording, but we can uh, hang out and chat more about anything else.